make sure that uh, that program doesn't contain controversial subjects and uh, you're not impolite to people. Oh, definitely not, Dad. You know me. I'm never, <laughs> ever controversial or yeah, impolite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Welcome to Conversations with your lovable, never pisses anyone off, ex-Muslim host, Ina. Keeping it non-controversial. Hello there, listeners. How you doing? I am here to bring you this important public service announcement episode. Welcome to Actually New Atheism Did Merge with the Far Right. Seems like a pretty obvious thing to say, really, if you've watched the absolute dumpster fire that is the online atheist scene carefully, or if you've been listening to my miniseries Woking Up, which you can find on this very podcast feed, you'll know that this isn't really a bold or outrageous claim, and probably something that only bothers people who are pretty right-wing themselves and so are blind to the problem, or those who still have some defensiveness around their identity as an atheist. Which, I don't know why you would, because this isn't really a criticism of godlessness. I'm so tired of repeating that as an atheist myself. But a lot of people conflate criticism of new atheism with a criticism of atheism on the whole. And it really isn't the same thing. Criticism of New Atheism is about a very specific manifestation, a very specific scene, an online community centered around and splintering from a group of specific thought leaders known as the Four Horsemen, and what they've sort of turned this scene into and who they've allied with throughout the years and the results of all that. This isn't like a very clearly defined movement. There's no official New Atheism membership cards. Just like the things it's morphed into in more recent times, like the IDW. It's like a broader term for a certain type of atheist involved in a certain online community, which, as much as people like to deny, definitely had, or has, its own ideology and set of beliefs and politics that just aren't accurately represented by statements like, Atheism is just a lack of belief in gods, and there's no politics that comes with simply not believing in God. You know, these are all well-known excuses to sort of deny the right and far-right problems in the new atheist scene. We'll get into those in more detail in a bit. The reason I'm putting this episode out now is because... There was this Salon article recently titled Godless Grifters, How the New Atheists Merge with the Far Right by Phil Torres. And it got a pretty good response. It resonated with a lot of people, clearly, and went viral and upset the usual apologists and IDW fans and right-wing atheists. But also got some weird-ass pedantic nitpicking and tone policing from people I always assumed understood the basics of this shit. So, this episode here is my attempt to debunk what I consider to be extremely harmful content that tries to undermine what a lot of people who watch and research these things have been saying for years. 
And this was coming from inside the house. This isn't anything personal against anyone. It is just about taking apart terrible arguments, excusing terrible things. If you're going to put out defenses of new atheism and the rational genius brains within it based on extremely weak shit, I'm going to have to say something, especially if it's coming from someone that many trust for decent criticism of the atheist scene and the issues surrounding that stuff. So, yeah. Imagine my surprise and my perpetual exhaustion. Not only do we have to do this whack-a-mole, constantly refuting bullshit from the right, but we have to do it with the centrists, and sometimes even people on the left can be useful idiots, and bigotry apologists or legitimizers, and I hate to say it, you know, some of my best friends are white men, nothing against them or anything, but sometimes it really does put massive blinders on to exist within such a privileged group. When the stakes of what these fuckers are doing are not that high for you personally, you can sort of kick back and analyze their awfulness as some abstract, vague thing, as just a mere intellectual exercise. But some of us don't have that luxury. So we have to watch it like a hawk and be aware of who they're playing footsie with and what impact that has on minority groups that some of us may belong to. Trying to counter all the awful takes on new atheism within new atheism can kind of feel like trying to put out a forest fire with a thimble, maybe. And it certainly doesn't help that I'm not a straight, cis, white man. So it often doesn't matter how well I present my arguments, how well researched and backed up they are, how I do it with a smile on my face. I am still constantly told I'm too emotional and hysterical and not putting forth any arguments at all, which is laughable, really if you just listen to the detail I go into in my work. But fucking podcasting is a boys club itself, and especially in the atheist scene, and disappointingly, even in the more progressive IDW critical scene too. I don't have the stats for these specific niches of the podcasting world, but if you look up the general stats, they're fucking depressing. According to The Wrap, in August 2020, women represented about half of podcast listeners in the U.S., but an overwhelming majority of the top-charting shows across the four major podcast platforms were hosted by men. In fact, men hosted or co-hosted 79% of the most downloaded podcasts. This is uh, sort of like how LeftTube or RedTube could definitely also use some more diversity. So too could the atheist-slash-IDW-critical sphere of podcasting. And more diverse voices could certainly be highlighted and propped up by people who purport to care about these things. Honestly, it would really benefit from a wider variety of perspectives, especially minority ones, because... Sometimes, people that have certain privileges can miss a few things. And personally, I have 
certainly sense some odd friction and general weirdness from the brocasters of this tiny scene. Often they won't engage with stuff that I put out, even if it's right up their alley, even if people are constantly tagging them in it. It's just quite evident and awkward that they'd rather avoid it, so... Anyway, it's been weird to notice and realize that people I thought were allies and people I've supported and expressed solidarity with and promoted weren't exactly treating me or my work with the respect I had been giving them. But that's a side point on the general state of even the more progressive corners of the atheist skeptosphere podcasting. It really sucks not to be a bro and not to have a built-in circle jerk. Oh well, say la vie. Anyway, what was I saying? Uh, yeah, so I've been trying to wrap my head around why in 2021 someone who seemed to get it would suddenly put out content defending the honor of new atheism. I don't know. Maybe sometimes privilege blinders or sometimes competitiveness for fresh, unique, contrarian content or maybe some residual defensiveness about atheism results in some terrible takes and so we see things bizarrely coming from the progressive corners, defending the new atheists. Imagine choosing this hill. Now! Jeez! Incredibly disappointing when it comes from someone you thought was on the right side of this. Like, heart-sinking disappointment because it's just, it just kind of washes over you in that moment. The realization of the magnitude of BS that needs to be fought on this front. And uh, we've got to depend mostly on straight cis white guys because that's who people mostly choose to listen to. Again, nothing wrong with straight cis white guys. Some of them are wonderful. But many are often seeing things through a very specific lens where they miss the urgency and scale of the issues because they aren't impacted by them as much. It's perfectly expected coming from IDW fans or right-wingers or even people pretending not to be right-wingers, but when it's people on your own quote-unquote side putting IDW-esque apologetics out, it truly is hard to describe the level of hurt and disappointment. I'll try and convey it, though. Recently, I saw a couple of neighbors of mine. Neighbors that I've become friends with over the years. People I've had backyard barbecues with. I've babysat their kids, shared bottles of wine. I assumed we shared some basic values, but I guess because these are friendships you develop later in life, especially because of proximity to one another, we didn't really know each other's politics all that well. These are more superficial friendships, I suppose, and on the surface, they seemed pretty progressive. I mean, I I suppose we're different in some ways. Uh, They're white, and I'm not, so we have different life experiences. But there were no red flags or anything. But anyway, so the other day I saw them share on Facebook an All Lives Matter post. Well, maybe if I lived... In a small town or something, I'd expect it more or be used to it, but it's just not something I encounter much over here in the Toronto area. 
Even if someone thinks such things, they usually keep it to themselves, especially in the circles that I'm familiar with. But yeah, so this Facebook post said something like, lives matter. You're the real racist if you need to put anything before lives matter. And I mean, my jaw just dropped to the floor. I could never see these people in the same way again. It's tragic, really, that they don't understand something so basic that they're willing to put messages like this out publicly for their friends to see, for their friends of color to see. It's that sense of betrayal I'm trying to convey here. It's kind of like a, with friends like these, who needs enemies type of feeling, you know? I'm not saying that it's the exact same situation when a person on the left defends the honor of something as bigoted as new atheism, but it seems that hurtful. It feels like that kind of betrayal. To me, it shows that we're in deeper than I realized, I suppose, with far fewer allies. If someone politically savvy who knows these things and knows they suck will depend on pedantic, semantic, tiny quibbles with words to defend such a terrible, harmful thing, well, then we're pretty much fucked. So, anyway, I'm not going to name anyone specific or call anyone out, but it's not hard to see who or what I'm talking about if you follow this corner of atheist slash IDW critical podcasting. I will refute the general appalling claims that I heard, and even if you don't know the specifics, you can probably still find this useful because these types of excuses come up a lot from people defending these types of rational genius brains. So the Salon article I mentioned earlier is what kicked this all off. (laughs) Let's get into it, shall we? Godless Grifters, How the New Atheists Merged with the Far Right. Oi, I mean, you can tell a lot about someone from what they decide to spend their time and energy on. Everyone has to pick what they're going to cover, since no one has endless time and resources on hand. So, to me, one of the most striking and telling things about someone on the left putting out an episode defending new atheism is just that they chose to do this at all. At this moment, it speaks volumes, really. So, here we go. The main gripes seem to be about the title and photo accompanying the article. The photo was just like Dawkins, Pinker, and Harris, and you've heard the title. Nothing too, too outrageous in my opinion. So, to me this felt like an incredibly nitpicky thing to base an entire episode around, especially when one acknowledges that writers often do not choose photos and titles themselves. And if you acknowledge that with a very slight rewording, you'd be on board yourself. So it just seemed like a very strange exercise to me. The rest of the complaints seem to be based on strawmanning the article and splitting hairs about individual words. Is so-and-so really far right? Or did they really merge? Are they really a grifter? 
Or, you know, trying to make excuses around technicalities, like claiming someone wasn't a new atheist, just a regular atheist, therefore not a problem relating to new atheism. Just really appallingly weak arguments, grasping at straws. So bizarre. As I explained before, the term new atheist is a broad and vague one. It isn't something most people self-identify as, especially now that the connotations associated with it are more widely recognized. Just like the IDW isn't restricted to the few people who originally appeared in Barry Weiss's embarrassing article introducing that clown show. Even though people tried to exclude Sam Harris from the IDW, and this was before his supposed retirement from the monster he helped create, despite his appearing in that original introductory article. The apologists, once they realized how embarrassing and how much of a laughingstock the IDW became, would often try to exclude him simply because he wasn't as bad as Reuben or the Weinsteins, even though he himself chose to appear in the bushes as a renegade of the intellectual dark web. So just like we understand a particular type to be an IDWer now, similarly, new atheist also refers to a type, not just limited to the four horsemen and the people with one of the four horsemen in their social media profile pictures or anything. Just such a silly and strange defense of new atheism to try and exclude people from it around technicalities that can't concretely be proven either way. Now, it's true, Salon can be a bit imprecise and sometimes sloppy. It's not my favorite resource. I don't retweet many Salon articles, but I think this one made some good points and had some receipts. Of course, if you pick apart every single word simply because you didn't like the title and are refusing to engage with the main substance of the criticism, then sure, yeah, you can find little things to quibble with. But it's funny to me that saying Salon isn't the best source because of its history of bashing new atheists and mentioning how anyone remotely a fan of Sam's won't find it credible is even a point that was made. Yeah, okay, so a bunch of Quillette and Breitbart readers won't find this Salon article credible simply because it's in Salon. But, like, they don't really have a leg to stand on in that regard anyway. And, I mean, if we're to go by the extremely non-hypocritical, consistent inventor of logic and reason, Sam Harris's words, the source simply doesn't matter. The claims should be judged on their own, no? You know, I'm happy to take that point from Hitler himself, if it's interesting. The source simply doesn't matter. And then to go on and say things like, what are we doing here? What's the goal here? To further inflame people with clickbait? People who might otherwise be reachable? Oh, I don't know. Are people that are still fans of Sam, Race, and IQ Harris in 2021 to be treated like reasonable, reachable people? Are we supposed to pander to their sensitivities now and and dress it up in, in the hopes that maybe a few of them will stop supporting a guy you yourself say is racist and spreads racist views? I don't think so, personally. I think it's pretty gross to try and reach across the aisle to court fans of a race and IQ guy by trying to be soft and gentle with them. If they're truly reachable, then presenting evidence of his disturbing overlaps and disturbing behavior should be enough to reach them. 
But if they've observed Sam throughout the Trump era, focusing his energy on wokeness as the far right flourished and observed him constantly downplaying white supremacy, even after the fucking insurrection, are these people who watched this happen during such a dangerous time to see how dangerously flawed Sam's assessments and priorities were and to still admire him as some great thinker, are they who we should treat as reachable. And come on, really, should we be sugarcoating things for the facts and logic crew? The fuck your feelings crew, even, is something that's a pretty reasonable claim, a basic truth, clickbait even. To say these figureheads merge with the far right isn't to say they themselves are card-carrying members of the far right or anything. This is the thing that probably bothered me the most about this particular defense of new atheism. It was the constant conflation in this podcast between merging with the far right and accusing them of being straight up far right. Surely anyone can see that these are different claims. Merging can mean allying with overlapping with, sanitizing, rationalizing, and using the same talking points as defending, playing footsie with, focusing on similar issues as providing far-right talking points with more credibility. I mean, you're not really grappling with what's being said in the article at all if you think it's as simple as saying that, you know, Sam Harris is basically Mike Cernovich now. That's not what's being claimed at all. But You're lying to yourself if you don't see how some of the lines there have blurred or merged, even. Like when Sam spreads great replacement theories about Muslim birth rates, when he goes on about how Europe is being destroyed for demographic reasons, when he promotes Caliber Weekly or Quillette, when the things you hear on his show are the same points you hear on PragerU or Ben Shapiro, when he uses his platform to defend Tucker Carlson and says that it has to be well within the Overton window to ask on Tucker's White Power Hour if diversity is our strength or not, when he censors his own guest for criticizing white nationalist Stefan Molyneux too hard, when he, on his massive influential platform to his very large audience, signals that he's threatening to quit Patreon because they deplatformed Lauren fucking Southern, and when he does finally quit Patreon, it's because they deplatformed Sargon of Akkad, known for telling women things like, I wouldn't even rape you. Sargon, who ran for fucking UKIP. I guess it's not enough to point to when Sam says things like Shapiro is more intellectually honest than Ezra Klein or that he would vote for Ben Carson over Chomsky because that was a while ago, so that doesn't count apparently. But how about when he says the left is smearing Steve Bannon as a particular kind of racist and xenophobe? Steve Bannon, who proudly declared his publication the platform for the alt-right. And what about when he minimizes things like the Christchurch mass shooting to an audience of millions, saying that it's just trolling and not genuine ideology, despite a massive fucking manifesto echoing similar Great Replacement stuff that Sam, too, has said himself? 
Something he won't apologize for, retract, or back down from even now. What about when he finds a way to blame wokeness for Trump being elected and excuses these poor people who voted Trump because of pronouns and not being able to wear blackface on Halloween? Or when he finds a way to indirectly blame wokeness even for the insurrection? Or when he helped kickstart and fund Dave Rubin's career? Dave Rubin, who has become the chosen platform for sanitizing the far right? Or when he built Majid Nawaz's career. Majid, who was promoting flawed research adored by the far right, claiming that Pakistanis were overrepresented in grooming gangs, and who basically went full QAnon during the previous U.S. election. And Sam didn't say a word to step back and disassociate, specifically from someone like this, that he's helped to inflict upon the world. How about things like Sam thinking white identity politics enthusiast Douglas Murray, whose books are basically far-right propaganda? How about when he thinks that guy is impeccable and repeatedly promotes him as such? Or what about when the only imam he's ever praised and signal boosted is a white nationalist sympathetic imam? Or when his favorite feminist is Ayan Hirsi Ali, who is currently promoting her book that is White Supremacy Tropes 101. Fears about how black and brown men are coming to rape your European white women, or when his views on race and policing match Breitbart, basically, and what about when he helped revive race science again? Yeah, I mean, it's just so unfair to even suggest that he plays footsie with the far right, isn't it? Not like he ever defended far-right activist Tommy Robinson or praised far-right activist Anne-Marie Waters, who was too bloody racist for UKIP but not too racist for Sam to praise. Or how about when he warned liberals to shape up on their discussions of Islam because they weren't harsh enough, with quotes like, The people who speak most sensibly about the threat that Islam poses to Europe are actually fascists. So get it together, libs. I mean, fine. You can complain about the word merge if you're a pedant, but like, fucking hell, if that's not merging, I don't know what is. If it was just one or two of those things, you could maybe say that it was just a lapse in judgment. But put all of that together, plus there's probably much more that I'm missing right now, you have to be in some serious, serious denial to not admit that he gets far-right friendly quite often. He has undoubtedly blurred lines, gotten cozy with, and led people in the direction of the far-right. There is data to show this, too. Who the fuck would spend their time defending this dangerous man against very understandable allegations of allying with the far right? It is just bewildering to me, honestly. It was, however, acknowledged that Sam has shitty opinions on some stuff and could be a pipeline to the ultra-far-right. Yes, this is true. There have been studies showing this. However, to just harp on and on about how the word merge is unfair and pipeline would be better, what the fuck is that? It's like you agree but just don't want to admit it for some strange reason and so want to find something petty to cling to. And in a very weirdly Sam Harris way, it was mentioned that, of course, the defender in this situation is open to criticism of new atheists and of Harris 
and has engaged in it too, but just not okay with this particular criticism because the word merge and far right was used. This is kind of the thing Sam does for Trump. Like, yeah, 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 of course he's racist and terrible, but is this specific instance that the left is mad about, is that a clear example of Trump's racism? Of course not. And Sam really is such a big Trump critic that you simply can't accuse him of defending Trump when he repeatedly makes excuses for how Trump isn't racist in whatever situation. In the same way, how can you say a Sam Harris critic is defending him just because he's put an entire episode out doing just that based on flimsy excuses? (laughs) And I'll just quote something here, which I thought was just, I don't know, so bad that it was comedy gold? I think it's pretty hard to say you've merged with the far right if you've been an outspoken critic of Trump and also have other left-wing views, which Sam Harris absolutely does. (laughs) Oi! Where to even begin with this? I mean, I've explained this sort of take on my shows enough times, but what do I know, right? Sans Trump criticism is a very special kind of Trump criticism. Usually, he is more disgusted by Trump's buffoonery and foolishness and unpredictability. But never is Sam appalled or outraged by Trump's bigotry and racism. In fact, when it comes to that, Sam is always on the defensive and claiming that he needs to bend over backwards to overcome his anti-Trump bias and be extra charitable to him. This bending over backwards to be charitable to people you hate somehow never comes up when it's about the wokes or for people like Ilhan Omar or Linda Sarsour. Somehow, Sam doesn't apply those standards of charitableness consistently. And the most urgently critical I heard Sam be of Trump, well, all it took for him to get to that situation and acknowledge a little bit that white supremacy was maybe more of a problem than the fringe of the fringe of the fringe... All it took was a tiny little insurrection where democracy in his country hung by a thread. But even then, Sam went right back to that point soon after, to saying we need to worry more about wokeness than we do about white supremacy. Because never mind the far-right government the country just had and what they just inspired, (laughs) Sam went right back to saying white supremacy was a tiny, tiny fringe problem, but wokeness was everywhere. And now he's jumping on this current anti-CRT hysteria, too. If all it took to definitively prove someone wasn't right-wing or far-right friendly was their Trump criticism, then, I mean, Ben Shapiro was once a never-Trumper, too. This is really the most shallow and lazy analysis, and I expected better. And saying people like Sam are on the left because they vote Democrat doesn't really prove that at all. Richard Spencer said he'd vote for Biden. He said he wants all sorts of social safety nets and health care. Our pal Dave Rubin claims to have voted for Obama in the past. He too used to defend his liberal cred by talking about his supposed left-wing views. I'm a gay married man. I'm pro-choice. I'm cool with pot. This is the same kind of excuse that people do for Sam now. Of course Sam is on the left because of these handful of things that he barely spends any time on. Sure, bud. He might have solidly been several decades ago with these same views, but as the 
left progresses and evolves, so too does the right. These things aren't static. To some extent, they do move with the times. Being pro-gay marriage doesn't make Sam all that left now and didn't make Dave Rubin all that left when he claimed it did either. Now, what's an issue that's more telling regarding the present-day discussion on LGBTQ issues? I'd say trans rights, and where does Sam fall on that? Oops, snickering with far-right Doug Murray, calling it a social contagion. Hmm, that's not looking too good for Sam here. If you look at the issues that matter most to the left today, Sam is firmly on the opposite side of the majority of those issues. Simply being better than Republicans on a few things doesn't mean much. Why do I even have to explain this? You have to look at the bigger picture as a whole of what they're putting out into the world, what impact they're having. David Frum and Andrew Sullivan are both terrible but open right-wingers that have shown themselves to be to the left of Sam on things like BLM, and also on things like not minimizing white supremacy. And to say that because these types of guys vote Democrat, they can't be merging with the far right as if that's some slam dunk? I mean, come on! That is some Sam Harris-level analysis. How can racism be a problem in policing when we've had black chiefs of police? Level of analysis. A lot of never-Trump Republicans voted Democrat. Does that put them on the left now? Right-wingery is a spectrum, too. And, and the Democrats aren't all that left compared to some other countries to begin with. There are more left-leaning Democrats and more right-leaning Democrats. Sure, they're not as right-wing as Republicans, but as far as being solidly on the left or right, that doesn't really prove anything to just vote Democrat, especially if your bread and butter, your entire brand along with voting Democrat, is spreading anti-left hysteria. And you also happen to occasionally ally with or merge with the far right to do so. Jeez. Then we get to defending Dawkins, and we have shit like, yeah, sure, his views on rape versus mild rape are shitty. Yeah, he's an anti-Muslim bigot and an anti-feminist and has said awful things about telling women they should abort Down syndrome babies. But is everyone with shitty views on rape and who's an anti-Muslim bigot right-wing? Are there no bigots or racists on the left? Checkmate. New atheism critics. I mean, this is just an absolute straw man of the larger point, and once again, not engaging with the core criticism here. Of course, the article could have provided better examples here. However, it is quite something to pick these things apart to the level of individual words, but not engage honestly with the message as a whole. Of course, there can be racists on the left and sexists on the left and people with shitty views. But I think when we get into creepy eugenics type views, there are some far rightish alarm bells going off in my head, at least. And I mean, this is just one of the few eugenics-y types of things Dawkins has said that I can think of off the top of my head. 
The Salon article makes a broad case but could have gone into more detail, so here are some better, more precise examples of Dawkins signal boosting, allying with, and propping up the far right. Sure, his anti-Muslim bigotry isn't the only thing that shows he's gotten in bed with the right, but I've been here, in this new atheist scene for years, watching it all unravel, and have, for example, observed Dawkins promoting far-right Twitter account Jihadist Joe on several occasions, telling his audience to follow him because he's brilliant and lamenting the fact that he couldn't retweet all his tweets, because that's how good they were. But even at that time, there were several people in the comments telling him what kind of account that was. Jihadist Joe's account doesn't exist anymore, but fuck, was it ever terrible, and obviously so. He would post blatantly racist caricatures on the regular. Racist memes, implying that Muslims are camel fuckers or savages or or primitive and stuff. And Dawkins loved retweeting his horrendous quote-unquote satire about Islam. Even in the height of my new atheist days, this was alarming to me. Jihadist Joe even organized some Muhammad drawing contest or some event, I don't remember the exact details, but it was with a known white supremacist. Dawkins never retracted support of him, though. Never. Jihadist Joe was frequently worried about cultural Marxism even back in 2015, and this is who Dawkins thought was a brilliant satirist to signal boost. He even doubled and tripled down on it. And after the tragedy at Charlie Hebdo happened, Jihadist Joe and friends started a blatantly racist publication called Vive Charlie, which Dawkins also promoted. It had gross anti-migrant cartoons, often on the covers, depicting them as insects infesting Europe, and they featured Katie Hopkins and received promotion from good old certainly not merging with the far right in any way whatsoever, Richard Dawkins. Jump forward to today, and you've got Dawkins promoting literal Christian nationalist sovereign nations events featuring morning prayers to own the wokes. He has repeatedly promoted the penis hoax trio that is Helen Pluckrose, Peter Bogosian, and James Lindsay, as has Sam Harris, and these horsemen certainly played their part in lifting these conceptual grifters to the point of prominence they are at today. And I don't see what anyone who cares about opposing right-wingery and bigotry in the atheist scene gets out of denying it. What? is the goal here. New atheism morphed into the IDW and Quillette sphere, and there are still constantly little splits and rifts happening within that scene too. Some reinvent themselves to retain more liberal cred, and some just go full white genocide like James Lindsay. But that doesn't mean they aren't all engaged in the same vile, dangerous project of shifting the Overton window further and further right, terrified by challenges to the status quo. It just means that someone like Helen 
differs in preferred tactics from what Lindsay has become today. It doesn't mean they aren't all powered by anti-wokeness, that they all didn't get their start in new atheism with two of the literal horsemen boosting them all the fucking time. The lines here are all fuzzy and tangled and intertwined. New atheism was powered by anti-SJWness, which has become the IDW to include other right-wingers that aren't career atheists or atheists at all even, and that is now powered by the new manifestation of anti-SJWness, which is anti-wokeness and anti-CRT. The point is to recognize this shit and its patterns and the project for what it is, rather than try to make excuses based on pedantry. You have to understand how all these pieces fit together and work together, how they're all cogs in the right-wing spin machine. To split hairs and deny that James Lindsay was never a new atheist is just such a terrible look, honestly. Who decides this? Is there a membership that he was refused? Oh, he didn't speak at any of the major conferences, so that's why he's not a new atheist? What about all the die-hard Harris, Dawkins, and Hitchens fans that aren't public speakers or public figures? Are they also not new atheists? Because they didn't speak at any major conferences. He was absolutely part of the scene. He was absolutely in the online anti-SJW atheist circuit. He had the same politics and views that were expected in the scene. He was propped up and celebrated repeatedly by new atheists and leading figures in the scene, as were Helen and Peter. Sure, they weren't as known as they are today, but no one is claiming that anyway. Did they wear t-shirts self-identifying as new atheists? No, probably not. And yes, of course, the whole movement gained more steam when they <clears throat> merged with the right and far right and didn't restrict themselves just to atheism-related discussion. But it's delusional to deny which scene these grifters originated in and were amplified by in their early days. To say new atheism merged with the far right isn't to say they retained their exact original form, but it is to say that they came together and worked with the right and far right to fight against their common enemies, the left and wokeness and CRT and whatever bogeyman comes next. Andy No, too, got his start here. I remember when he was like an 800 follower-ish account, always hounding me with his gross, bigoted views about Muslim immigrants, how he would always jump to Douglas Murray's defense, and how I eventually had to block him because his form of atheism was just abhorrent. He was using his disbelief as a cover to generalize and spread far-right bullshit about Muslims. And he sort of continued on that path. His thing isn't about atheism now, but that was his stepping stone into the far-right world. You see how that merges there? Until recently... When he was milkshaked, who do you think was outraged and frothing at the mouth, calling it a mock assassination other than open far-righters and right-wingers? Yep, it was totally not far-right friendly, Sam Harris. Do you think he had any similar sort of reaction when left-wingers were injured at such things? It didn't even register with him. In fact, he was so mad about Antifa that he was saying shit like, 
you know, you see a few videos of Antifa, you want the far right to show up. And I absolutely must stress again that it's incredibly dangerous to excuse or minimize the harm caused by movements like New Atheism. The types of people that have sprung from it been nurtured by it just because they are embarrassing to you personally as an atheist now, or just because you don't want to acknowledge that you were once adjacent to this stuff. There shouldn't be any shame in admitting that we were once in this extremely gross scene and admired some of these people when things weren't as obvious as they are now. But many of us have evolved in our thinking and gotten out of it. I certainly have no trouble admitting that about myself. It's so harmful to be in denial about this stuff, and even more so to do it from the left, because all you're doing is providing credibility to a group of people that has, over the last few years, received quite a few well-deserved blows, and been exposed to a large extent for what they are and who they associate with. If you're working to prevent people from seeing this, you're, you're definitely not doing a good thing. It is not about gotchas. Like, is there no racism on the left? If you're anti-Muslim, are you automatically a right-winger now? Just stop and think about the bigger picture here. Who are these people associating with all the time? It's the right and far right. Over and over again. Some of that, maybe, could be a result of people like Dawkins being older. But that's really just some of the more conservative views that you could attribute to it. But to get to the level of promoting Christian nationalists to own the libs, to promote deeply racist anti-migrant publications with racist caricatures, in combination with the repeated anti-Muslimness, anti-feminism, anti-leftness, that is not down to just being older. There are plenty of older people who manage to avoid this level of bigotry and horrendousness. <sighs> okay, so then we get to the part where there's some complaining that Pinker isn't a new atheist. And, and really, we just keep going back to the same point, and that is that new atheism isn't a well-defined club where there's some group photo you can cross-reference to confirm who the members are. It's a broad group of people who moved in similar circles and had similar politics and had a fetish around facts, logic, and scientism, and also kind of Western chauvinists, too. Despite these shared qualities, it is, of course, possible that depending on who your favorite rational heroes were, you experienced the new atheist scene slightly differently because you focused on different people. And then, moving on, we get into some of the same old, yeah, Pinker has some gross views and some gross associations with Epstein. Does that mean he merged with the far right? Is that fair to say? You don't get to do this everything I don't like is far right thing. Yeah, okay, sure. Gross views don't necessarily make one right wing or overlap with the far right, but you know what could prompt people to think you're merging with the far right is when you sanitize literal far right talking points and legitimize them. Here's a paragraph from Jason Stanley's How Fascism Works. According to Evans, in 2005, Pinker began popularizing the view that Ashkenazi Jews are innately particularly intelligent, a view that Evans describes as the smiling face of race science. 
The claim that Ashkenazi Jews are innately particularly intelligent invites the reader to draw conclusions about other groups and their innate intelligence. In a 2007 piece for the online venue The Edge, Pinker decries how political correctness has prevented researchers from studying quote-unquote dangerous ideas including, quote, do women on average have a different profile of aptitudes and emotions than men, end quote, and, quote, are Ashkenazi Jews on average smarter than Gentiles because their ancestors were selected for the shrewdness needed in money lending, end quote, and, quote, do African American men have higher levels of testosterone on average than white men, End quote. The concern about this kind of writing is that it presents those who seek a natural source for inequality as brave truth seekers, driven by reason to reject the heart's plea for equality. I mean, if that kind of shit is an overlapping or <clears throat> merging with the far right, then really, I, I really, really don't know what is. And then... Much more recently, in 2018, there was some outrage on Central Skeptic Twitter because people were critical of Pinker doing a video for Learn Liberty titled Political Correctness is Red-Pilling America. And the thumbnail of the video, which has now mysteriously been changed, was really indistinguishable from any red-pill, blue-pill, alt-right-ish video at the time. Learn Liberty, who he did the video for, is a Coke-funded project, and not the C-O-K-E kind, either. In this video, he described the alt-right as highly literate, highly intelligent, internet-savvy, and media-savvy, And he basically said they were being radicalized because these truths were being hidden from them because of political correctness. The poor dears, you know, truths like different ethnic groups commit crimes at different rates. (laughs) Yeah, he's really worried about these things. And this was picked up by a literal Nazi blog called Fash the Nation, and they posted it as some great validation. They posted it with the subheading, Pinker spoke truths about race and sex differences while complimenting the alt-right. Now, I know Pinker didn't mean to be openly pro-fash here, but he did come off as making excuses for them and presenting them in a complimentary manner as victims of political correctness, and so appealed to a literal Nazi publication that broadcast his message far and wide. If that isn't validating the far right, I don't know what is. These are their talking points said in a more toned-down academic manner, of course. Oh, but come on, he votes Democrat. He danced when Trump was voted out. How could this be? I am very confused. (sighs) So then there's a bunch more of quibbling with certain words in the title, I guess. That's really what you have to work with when you are defending the honor of new atheism in 2021. (laughs) Um, And I think we covered the complaints with merge and far right pretty thoroughly, but then we get to the complaints about the word grifter. 
Um, okay, so I think the issue here is mainly definitional. Some people use grifter only to mean financial grift, and some use it to convey a general dishonesty and sliminess of character. And yes, I think it's clear that these guys are wealthy enough to not sell out for financial reasons. I think they truly believe in their fight and in the awfulness they spout. So that isn't what the word grift is meant to convey here, I think. In my interpretation, the griftiness lies in the intellectual dishonesty and the general dishonesty about their politics, presenting themselves as more left or as neutral as ideology-free when they really are very sympathetic to the right and biased and tribal and, and ideological, just like the people they criticize. And to an extent, I do think they genuinely believe they aren't super right-wing friendly, but the dishonesty comes in where they refuse to acknowledge their obvious double standards or to re-examine their views and endorsements of some very right-wing talking points and people. So, no, I don't think using softer terms like cultural conservatives describes this situation any better than to say they clearly have some overlaps with the far right and alarmingly so, because the urgency of this situation where these respected mainstream intellectuals are sanitizing and legitimizing some really reactionary far right stuff and figures that urgency needs to be conveyed, and that is not the same as your slightly racist uncle at the dinner table making a cringe comment. This is a concerted effort to push things rightwards in a rebranded way and fight the left. That is the grift element. Regardless of the twisted ways in which they may justify it to themselves, this isn't right-wing, I'm just being rational. My interest in race and IQ and Muslimic birth rates is based in science and reason. My interest in calipers is only because the left drove me to it. <laughs> don't. Don't play their game. Regardless of how they self-identify, this is a right-wing project under the guise of science, logic, and reason. If you're not recognizing this basic point, then you've really missed the core issue here. <laughs> There's a part in the article that compares Sam's pig-headed stubbornness and refusal to correct his views, regardless of how many experts tell him otherwise, to Trumpy-type stubbornness, but the defender of new atheism seems to be offended by this comparison and calls it a cheap, unfair shot, saying that not every amount of rigid in your views is Trump-like. Which, sure, there's a lot of stubborn people out there, and rarely does anyone come close to how clownish Trump is about it. Straight up lying to people's faces. And, and sure, Sam doesn't get to exactly that level because that is rather unique, but I think what Phil might have been attempting to convey in the article is simply the colossal level of stubbornness Sam also has, which is quite comical too, and extremely out of the ordinary where he triples and quadruples down in the face of being proven wrong or called out, like when he claimed 15 years ago that France would be majority Muslim 10 years from now, which was 25 years back then, but because of the ominous Muslimic birth rates, and that was if Muslim immigration were to stop now. And he couldn't have been more wrong about that. I think it's about 5% now, and... And that's considering Muslim immigration didn't stop. 
So, more recently, he was called out on this dangerous alarmist BS after people noticed how similar it was to the great replacement fear-mongering in the Christchurch Shooters Manifesto. And he didn't retract or apologize. He just washed his hands of it and pointed to some dumb Arabia conspiracy book where he apparently got the numbers from and, and just said, oh, I, I got my numbers from there. As if that absolved him of all responsibility when he's the one that published this. He didn't take any ownership of it at all. Not exactly, exactly the same level of stubborn and refusal to admit a mistake, but still pretty fucking uniquely ridiculous. Like, Sam is the guy who has not ever experienced racism and apparently knows more about it than BLM, and often shamelessly Sam explains about it, too. How everyone else is doing identity politics, but not Sam, because he meditates. He so doesn't do identity politics that he doesn't even identify with his own face in the mirror. Profiling Muslims, BLM, race and IQ, no amount of experts or data can convince him to budge on his views. I don't think it's such a cheap shot, to be honest. It's just a funny way to explain how absurdly stubborn Sam is, too. But you know what I do think is a cheap shot? Putting out an entire episode because you didn't like the title of an article. Ironically, one of the points in this defense of new atheism claims that we shouldn't play no true Scotsman with being on the left by fundamentally doing exactly that and having an episode that is a no true Scotsman of who is really a new atheist and who isn't. Nitpicking the technicalities of the word grifter, Dave Silverman wasn't a grifter back then, but maybe he is now. How can Pinker be a grifter when he's a successful academic? These are just extremely silly excuses. And there's a lot more where that came from, too. Here are some bits I feel need to be highlighted. Absolute gems. New atheism died with Christopher Hitchens. (laughs) Really? Really? Is that really what you want to hang this defense on? Just denial? Sticking your fingers in your ears and going, la 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 la, I don't see it, so it can't be real. I mean, come on, the rest of the horsemen ceased to exist after Hitchens died? This strain of bigoted evangelical type atheism just vanished after that? I don't even know where to begin refuting this, because wow, you have to have been living under a rock to think this. Clearly said by someone who wasn't getting piled on daily for being a quote-unquote parasite or savage Muslim immigrant by the new atheists. Clearly said by someone who wasn't getting attacked for being an opinionated woman in the new atheist scene either. It must be nice to live in a world where you think new atheism died with Christopher Hitchens and that millions of people didn't continue to try and destroy or hitch slap random people they disagreed with on the internet. Then there was the posturing about how Sam Harris initially wasn't as big as Hitchens or Dawkins. So let's spend some time on that useless stuff. All for a good cause, folks. Defending new atheism from rude accusations about merging with the far right. There was the whole, can we please think of how frustrating it might be for Sam and friends to be called far right. Firstly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Won't somebody please think of race science enthusiast Sam Harris 
And secondly, he wasn't accused of being far-right, but his interests in anti-leftness, anti-wokeness, and race science were pointed to. That's all. There was a pointless defense of Sam on the Ben Shapiro point, where the author of the article correctly points out that Sam's described far-right Ben Shapiro as being committed to the rules of intellectual honesty and to the same principles of charity with regard to other people's positions as him, (laughs) which is a pretty unhinged thing to say about Ben Shapiro. The defense of Sam here was that this is a dated thing to point to, and really, again, so weak, because it's not all that dated. It's from 2019. You see the constant goalpost shifting here? If he's not doing it right now, while wearing a t-shirt that says, I'm a new atheist, then does it even really count? And aside from that, Sam Harris thought Ben Shapiro was a perfectly credible person to retweet onto his timeline as recently as the last U.S. election, so please. And apparently pointing to the trajectory of people like David Silverman is unfair too, because he was fired by American atheists and therefore rejected by all of new atheistdom. So I guess the other large atheist accounts that still support him, embrace him, and platform him and defend him don't count at all. And what about before he was fired? That doesn't count either. (laughs) It was just filled with all of these extremely flimsy excuses and refusal to engage with the message as a whole. Just so depressing to see where it was coming from especially, but... I guess in this scene, we are disappointed every day, eh? I should really be used to it by now. Anyway, I thought it was important I put out something to counter what I considered to be a very harmful minimization of things. Other than that, I just wanted to briefly touch on a couple of utterly predictable right-wing atheist responses to this piece, too. The first hilarious one I saw floating around was claiming that new atheists actually are super concerned about marginalized communities and minorities because, you know, all they do is prop up ex-Muslims and not like the ex-Muslim scene has gone completely Breitbart or anything. (laughs) And they also prop up people of color who write for Quillette. And I mean, this is just laughable. Sure, while it's true they are very concerned about this specific type of minority, it's only and very transparently because they care about and celebrate minorities they can use to further their right-wing agendas. They use these minorities to push bigoted talking points and hide behind them as a shield from accusations of bigotry. We're not anti-Muslim, just look at our brown ex-Muslim friends. Yeah, yeah, so what if they're appearing on Breitbart saying that Islam doesn't belong on planet Earth? And so what if they're constantly saying things like, Islam is worse than Nazism, we should eradicate it. And then there's the whole, of course we're not racist, here's our black friend who writes for Quillette, and he thinks racism isn't a big deal anymore. So, you can see that their concern for minorities is purely opportunistic and based on how useful that person is to push their anti-minority stuff. I don't even know who these right-wing people are fooling anymore. The second and last thing I wanted to cover was that someone thought it was a good defense of Sam Harris to say he can't be anti-Muslim because he was critical of the Muslim ban. However, 
This was just like his special style of Trump criticism. There was absolutely no outrage or sense of urgency there like there was for, you know, Andy No getting milkshaked. In fact, when the news of the executive order that resulted in the ban broke and thousands of people were protesting across various airports in the United States, Sam's only response at the time was to post one Douglas Murray article that was about criticizing anti-Trump protesters. Because (laughs) priorities, right? And then he also posted a second article called Smoking Out the Islamists, which was all about um, extreme vetting and how even fake moderate Muslims have fooled people before and how fortunately Trump's executive order was here to make extreme vetting easier. (laughs) Just... um, He has zero ability to read the room in these situations. Yeah. (laughs) Then when hundreds of people in his mentions were rightfully telling him, what the actual fuck, Sam, he did his usual bewildered act, like, why are people mad at me? And then he wrote some weasel shit, saying that yes, yes, he was against the ban as it was unethical, but clearly his actions on the day spoke louder than those words that have to be extracted out of him. For years and years before that, though, he has been delighted to perpetually just ask questions about ending Muslim immigration entirely. And even in his bit, finally saying he didn't agree with the ban, it took him like two paragraphs before he started scolding the left again. He starts off saying, and I'm paraphrasing here, Fine, fine, the Muslim ban is unethical, but it's also ineffective uh, because of its inconsistency since a lot of these other Muslim countries aren't banned and they have had a lot of terrorism too. But then we get to the really good part and I quote, However, most of what is being said in opposition to Trump's order is thoroughly contaminated by identity politics and liberal delusion. The left seems determined to empower the right by continuing to lie about the problem of Islamism. As David Frum recently wrote, when liberals insist that only fascists will defend borders, then voters will hire fascists to do the job liberals won't do. End quote. <laughs> so you see, it's always the fault of the left. I'm warning you, libs. You better shape up and become more anti-immigrant or they're going to bring in the fascists. Don't make them bring in the fascists. That'll be your fault. (laughs) Okay. So that's all I wanted to cover today. Um, As always, if you enjoy this show, please, please consider supporting via Patreon. Listeners like you are the only reason it exists. And if you enjoyed this episode, give it some vocal support. And let me know your thoughts. I will now leave you with a little musical number I whipped up earlier for Woking Up. You may have already heard it if you listen to that. But I thought it fit quite nicely here too. So enjoy, and I'll see you next time.
stop defending Trump or any of the, uh, these other people who I disagree with more or less across the board. It's a thankless job defending Trump. Many of the attacks on Trump are so poorly targeted that he's being, you know, call, he's being called a racist for things that are not you know, evidence of racism. Again, I'm giving Trump the benefit of the doubt here. They were sick of being called racist for not worrying about Halloween costumes. So millions of these people, along with real racists, told all you whinging social justice warriors at Yale and Brown to go fuck yourselves. And can you really blame them? I mean, safe spaces, trigger warnings, new gender pronouns, whinging social justice warriors, go fuck yourselves. Okay, but that's not the same thing as uttering a dog whistle. The study of hoarding behavior. If someone studies the psychological problem of hoarding and they study the genetics of it, and then they just happen to, to discover that the genetics are represented differently in different populations. And Ashkenazi Jews, of which, you know, half of my ancestry is, uh, have more of this, the hoarding genes than other people. The hoarding genes. People don't want to hear this. And they certainly don't want to hear that average IQ differs across races and ethnic groups. Average IQ differs across races and ethnic groups. Okay, but that's not the same thing as uttering a dog whistle. White supremacy is still the fringe of the fringe in the United States. I think it's reasonable to worry whether we are witnessing the destruction of Europe right now and for demographic reasons for demographic reasons you see a few videos of Antifa you want the far right to show up and you certainly want the state to clamp down on this kind of behavior you want the far right to show up virtually every democratic candidate at this point is poised to pander to the wokeness I mean, honestly, the far left is as concerned about race as the Ku Klux Klan. And yet the problem is the far left is not the fringe. The far left is everywhere now in academia, in tech, in journalism. Does the killing of George Floyd prove that we have a problem of racism in the United States? Does it even suggest that we have a problem of racism in the United States? The police use more deadly force against white people. It's just the level of political correctness on this issue. The left. Wokeness. The left. Black Lives Matter is many things, but one thing it is, is the leftist version of Trump. The irretrievably woke on the left. The left. The left is just irredeemable at this point. The left, the left, and the left, and the left, wokeness, then otherwise liberal people will be forced to choose the right. Is anti-Semitism a problem? Well, yeah, it's a problem, but how big a problem is it? Well, in the States, you know, even in the immediate aftermath of a synagogue shooting, it's not that big a problem. And I've acknowledged that his plain talk about radical Islam is preferable to the sanctimonious lies we get out of the Democrats. My problem with the left is that it's finding evidence of racism everywhere. The left, the left, and the left, and the left. Wokeness. Whinging social justice warriors. Go fuck yourselves. We have to figure out how to heal the divide in our country. 
that some people listen to this podcast just for the pleasure of quoting me out of context in misleading ways. Thanks for listening to another episode of Polite Conversations. You can support this podcast by sharing the shit out of it, making some noise about it, or contributing via Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash nice mangoes. No Ian Mangoes. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at Nice Mangoes. If you want to make a one-time donation instead of a monthly Patreon one, you can do so via PayPal. NiceMangoes.blog at gmail.com. Remember, no Ian Mangoes. If you've got an interesting story and would potentially like to be a guest, you can email me there too. 